What's good? What's good, party people? I am Kenzia Johnson. And if you are new to my podcast, I am your personal hype woman, helping you show up and speak up anyway at work and in life, despite dealing with fear, uncertainty, or self-doubt. So let me just address the pink whale in the room for a second. It's been a minute since I have, a very long minute, (laughs) since I have published an episode on this podcast. And I have to be honest and say that for the last few months, I was going back and forth in my mind. Like, girl, do you want to do the podcast? I lost the discipline as well as motivation to publish an episode. I kind of felt like I was running out of topic ideas Also, I allowed my mind to tell me a story that I needed all the bells and whistles to continue to publish episodes. The bells and whistles being the fancy introduction with music and all the things. Okay, but your girl is back. I noticed over the last few months that I came across topics, things that I wanted to discuss. Sometimes it was from my experiences coaching and training managers and executives in the workplace. And the other day I was in my living room And I said to myself, Candia, just talk to the people like they're in your living room because I was lovingly stalking some of y'all on the Instagram and Facebook streets. So I'm seeing everyone talking about their goals, their words of the year, their intentions and all the things. And I'm like, the biggest mistake that we often make is that we set a goal, but we don't set a schedule. We set a deadline, but we don't set a schedule. We may set a schedule, but we're often unrealistic about what it will take to perform a particular task or exercise with the given amount of time that we have. We set an intention or word of the year, but we don't create a process or identify the habits to support us in achieving those goals or living by those words that we set for the year. And this is why we often drop the ball on achieving our goals or we lose the discipline as well as the motivation for achieving them. So the first tip that I want to offer you is to hold yourself to a schedule, not a deadline. I learned this concept from one of my favorite books, which I highly recommend. I reread it every single year, Atomic Habits by James Clear. In the book, James Clear says, what matters most in the beginning is establishing a new normal and building a new routine that you will stick to, not the results that you will get. Because if you're like me, and let's say your goal is to lose 10 pounds or your goal is to embrace more of a wellness routine, Every single day or every other day, you're back on the scale. Like, did I lose five pounds yet? You're trying on those jeans that you know you can't fit. Okay, this is not about me. This is about you. Anywho, in the first six months that you are working towards your goal, it's more important to not miss workouts than it is to make progress. So ideally, once you're clear on your goal, it starts with asking yourself, who do you need to become? So James Clear says, once you become the type of person who doesn't miss workouts, Then you can worry about making progress and improving. Without the habit, the strategy is useless. Build the habit first, worry about the results later. It takes me back to my swimming shenanigans last year. So last year, when I was missing an action from y'all, your girl learned how to swim. And I'm very proud because I'm at the intermediate level of swimming. And this year, I'm super excited about refining my swim stroke. I'm going to focus on learning how to backstroke and all the things. But one of the lessons that the instructor would say to me, especially in the beginning sessions, she would say, Candia, we just need to focus on getting more comfortable in the water first before 
you focus on trying to do front stroke, backstroke, dolphin, kick, streamline, and all the things. So my swimming shenanigans reminds me a lot of what James Clear says, focusing on changing your identity first before worrying about achieving your results. It's called identity-based habits. So for me, I needed to become the type of person who's comfortable in the water first before I even learned the correct way to do a swim stroke. So in addition to your goal, you're breaking that goal down into baby steps. I always say baby steps count too. You're also setting a schedule and you're setting the deadline. So for me, that schedule was getting in the water, putting my face in the pool underwater three times a week to get comfortable, being committed to that process. So you want to hold yourself to a schedule and not a deadline. Another way that I focus on developing the habit first, and I also focus on baby steps, is I challenge myself to the two-minute or 20-minute rule. And that simply means that anything that's in your best interest, that you feel a little bit of resistance in doing, the reality is you can do anything for two minutes or 20 minutes a day. So it's about tricking yourself to say, you know what, just like with yoga or Pilates, I tell myself, I'm just going to commit to doing a two-minute pose or a 20-minute round of Pilates. My words of the year, people. Now, I love setting words of the year. Ease, joy, and peace are a few of my words. One way that you can hold yourself accountable to living by your words every week is to turn those words into a question, a question that shapes the way you show up in the world every single week, a question that inspires you to act. So if your word of the year is confidence, then your question becomes, in what ways will I demonstrate or show up more confidently this week? What resources or support can help me speak more confidently or present more confidently? Who can help me with achieving the level of confidence that I desire. If your word of the year is ease, you're asking yourself, in what ways can I create more ease in my life? What are the habits or processes or the systems or boundaries I need to set to create more ease in my life? And listen, sidebar, boundaries are not only what you set, boundaries are what you show. So you're asking yourself, what are the boundaries that I need to show people this week? So often my managers and execs tell me, Candia, I've already communicated this boundary. I'm trying to stay focused or I just don't have a moment to myself because people keep interrupting me. They keep asking me questions or knocking on my door and keep emailing me the same questions over and over again. Or they can go to this person for the answers, but they keep coming back to me. And so my response is always, okay, if you've communicated that boundary, now it's time for you to show them. It's time to show people how to treat you. Now it's time for you to say, in my Nene Leakes voice, I said what I said. <laughs> okay, don't go telling them good people that, okay? You could use your inside voice. But listen, if showing a boundary or setting boundaries is your word or phrase of the year, leave I said what I said in my comments so I can hold you accountable or tag me on the Facebook YouTube, or Instagram streets. Anywho. So ultimately, you want to get to a place where one, you're scheduling your goals. Two, you're looking at your words of the year and you're transforming them into a question which inspires you to take action. To show up in a way that demonstrates 
whatever boundary that you've had to set. And lastly, add that question as a recurring reminder on your calendar. So if you do your brain dump, and identify your priorities Sunday evening, Monday morning, or on Fridays, then set that question as a recurring reminder at that particular time. Another tip that I'd like to offer you is to work within your optimal energy zone, not against it. So your optimal energy zones means understanding and managing your energy levels in a way that allows you to perform at your best. So you wanna recognize the times of the day you feel most energized, focused, and productive, and align your schedule accordingly, especially your most critical task. When working in your optimal energy zone, you're likely to feel more confident and motivated in your work. You can focus more efficiently. You can make better decisions and progress towards your goal. So for me, my optimal energy zone is always in the morning. Now, even though I wake up in the morning and I'm like, girl, I don't feel like it today. I know to make it my most productive day that I need to push past that emotion. And what that also means is that my mornings are very protected. I typically do not have meetings before 11.30 a.m. with clients unless it is a workshop that I have to deliver. But typically, I do not open my schedule until 11.30 a.m. Plus, I am big on energy transfer. You meet with the wrong person during your optimal energy zone and it can take you totally off of schedule of what you had planned to do simply because you let another person's negative, limiting, or draining, or killjoy spirit get the best of you. In real talk, this not only applies to business, this is personal life too. I know that there are people and my friend circle or family circle. If I see that name on a call, well, first of all, I don't even have my phone in the same room with me in the morning either. That's another tip. My phone is typically in my bedroom. I'm working in the office. I don't have the phone in the room with me. But let's say I'm in my room and I'm preparing for work. I don't answer the phone early in the morning for certain people because I already know that sometimes their energy is going to transfer. And it's going to take me off my game. And I can't afford that. My energy typically is going to dwindle around 2.30, 3 o'clock. So ideally during that time is when I'm scheduling my lower priority task, like checking email, maybe reviewing some things. Now, recognizing the fact that life happens, you can set the best intentions. You can show up letting people know your boundaries and all the things. But we know that emergencies can happen or priorities shift and it throws your schedule out of whack. And that's okay. One recommendation that I have for you is to set an end of day check-in with yourself or an end of week check-in so you can reprioritize for the next day or for the following week. Stop working up until the end of your workday. So let's say your workday ends at 5 p.m then I would say shut down at 4.30, 4.45, even 4.50. So you can use that time to reflect on your progress and reprioritize for the following day. A lot of the times we're working up until the end of the day. And then at the end of the day, you're frustrated, you're flustered. You take that energy home to your family or yourself, and then you wake up to do it all over again with that same energy. And so the best thing that you can do is to stop 
anywhere from 30 minutes to 15 to 10 minutes until your end of day to reflect on the goals and the schedule that you set and figure out a way that you can do better or improve the following day. My end of week check-in is called a follow-up Friday. It's a 15 minute to one hour recurring time block on my calendar actually. And so on follow-up Friday, I check in with my people, my progress and my process, AKA my habits, because a plan is nothing without a plan to follow up. So if you're setting a plan on Monday to do all the things, that plan is nothing without a plan to follow up. During your follow-up time, either at the end of the day or the end of the week, you're reviewing the things on your schedule and you're looking at your progress. This is not a moment to beat yourself up, okay? This is a moment to ask yourself, where might I need to reset my expectations? Where might I need to lower the bar on my expectations? And what that means is if I set a goal or a schedule to commit one hour to doing this thing, and next thing you know, I realize that that thing took three hours. Maybe it takes three hours. Maybe you underestimated the time to complete a certain task and that's okay. So you just need to reset your expectations. The new expectation is, That particular task no longer takes one hour. It takes three hours. Stop beating yourself up over situations that you can no longer change. Take it as a lesson. That's the biggest gift you can give yourself this year. We spend so much time, so many of our days beating ourselves up, and it simply takes away from our zone of genius. You need to assess that situation and maybe ask yourself, what do I need to start, stop, or continue? The following day or the following week, you're asking yourself, where might I need additional help? Where might or who might I need to ask for help or support? So another tip that I often share with people is if there is a task on your calendar that's lingering or you're looking at something that you've wanted to get done, but for whatever reason, it doesn't get done. Ask yourself who, not how, because sometimes we have this to-do list and we're overwhelming ourselves with a to-do list. We have our schedule booked every hour on the hour until the end of the day. And next thing you know, we're constantly beating ourselves up, looking at that long gazillion list of things to do and saying to yourself, how am I going to get this all done? And so for me, sometimes it's about saying who, not how. Who can help me get this all done? Not how can I get this all done? Start looking at your to-do list as if someone else, it could be a stranger that you need to hire or your eight-year-old who could still cook spaghetti 80% as well as you can, okay? Maybe that's your who. I don't know. But to lessen the overwhelm, you have to start looking at a to-do list from a perspective of who, not how. And so when you ask yourself, who, not how. It's a push for you to do one, two, or three things. One, for you to have a conversation with someone. So if you have a manager or the person that you report to at work, it's a push for you to have a conversation about priorities. And it's not about approaching that person and saying, I have too much on my plate. It's about starting that conversation from a place of, I have X, Y, and Z on my plate, which takes me over the number of hours that I have available. Which task should be more of a priority? Which task can we push into next week? Which task might someone else be able to take on? If you are in a managerial role, who not how 
may be a push for you to delegate, to elevate. That's what I often tell my managers. Because as a manager, you delegate to elevate not only yourself, but those around you. It's a push for you as a manager or a leader in the workplace to understand that you can't do all the things you need support. So you have to delegate to elevate. I think I'm going to do a separate episode on that. But I want you to understand this follow-up time is also an opportunity for you to reflect, reset, and recharge. Another tip that I'd like to offer you is to work from a calendar, not a to-do list. We often have a long laundry list of about 15, 20, 10 things on our to-do list. And then we beat ourselves up because we didn't achieve it all. It was unrealistic from the beginning. And so I want you to free yourself today. Now, listen, I'm a girl who loves writing a long laundry list of things to do in a notebook, setting myself up for failure, overwhelm, and all the things. I have a beautiful new dry erase desk. So it's a standing white electric desk, but it's glass and I can write on it. Okay, it's a dry erase marker, and I just love it, y'all. I'm going to somehow try to link a picture of it, of how I scribble, scribble reminders all over this thing. But I've gotten myself into the habit of earlier in the week when I do a brain dump on my dry erase desk of all the things that are happening in my mind. And then I pick out the priorities. And instead of just transferring my priorities to a to-do list, I look at my schedule. And I find a time where I am going to make success happen for myself. Even things that surround your personal life. So if I have a friend who's going through something or a family member who's ill, sometimes I get so caught up in my work that I forget or I neglect to follow up on the people I love. And of course, I not only want to show up in my business, I also want to show up for the people who matter. So I'm putting a reminder on my calendar. Maybe it's 15, five minutes. Call Tony, check in on Chrissy. Hey, girls. Anywho, so work from the calendar, not from a to-do list. Stop overwhelming yourself using a to-do list because you don't really have a concept to the fact that you're only working within eight hours. (laughs) Really, when you take out lunch and all the shenanigans, that goes on in between that, you probably really only have five to six good hours of work that you can focus on. I would say that there are three critical elements to consider when you are looking at transferring your priorities to your calendar. One, stick to the power of three. Asking yourself, what are the top three things I need to get done? today. The second key element is power 90. And what that means is it's 90 minutes of uninterrupted time, 90 minutes of focus time. Now, of course, based on your work, you may need to make that boundary or make that priority known in advance and say, hey, I really need to get this proposal done. I really need to focus on XYZ. I'll return everyone's emails by a certain time. Okay, the third key element to working from a calendar, not a to-do list, is to include buffer time. For many of the managers and execs that I work with, one of the biggest mistakes that we make is that we are so busy running from meeting to meeting to meeting, and you're not allowing yourselves a time to reset your energy in between that time, or you're not even allowing yourself an opportunity to possibly catch up on emails and all the thing. And that's another thing. Emails 
unless it's your job to respond to emails all day, get yourself in a habit of trying to check your email three to four times a day. So usually when I'm setting my power 90, I may look at my email once in the morning and then into my power 90. Then I'm going to take a break and make me a smoothie. Then I'm going to get back into possibly another power 90 and then I'll check email again. So now one new habit that I'm embracing this year is a one and done day. A one and done means, Candia, you are going to take this one day and get this one thing done, not allow it to linger. And looking at either Mondays or Fridays being my one and done days, because typically I don't schedule any client work on either one of those days. And that means I'm going to start this task and I'm going to finish it. So I'll let you know how that goes. Now, the last tip that I want to offer you is to know when to fire yourself. So if you're like me, and you've looked through old pages in your journal or old to-do list in your notebook, and you realize you have lingering dreams, goals, and tasks that for whatever reason, you ain't budged on them, okay? I'm calling myself to the front of the congregation. I would say it's time to fire yourself. You can fire yourself by delegating to elevate, or remember I said earlier, who, not how, Or you can fire yourself by investing in accountability. I realized over the last, I would say three to four years, I have to pay for or invest in accountability. Candia is not good all by herself, okay? I can't rely on myself at times, all right? And that's not even a bad thing. This is just a moment of self-awareness that's taken me way too long. But you know what? We're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. Sometimes when you have paid for something or you are paying for something or you know you have agreed to show up and meet a group of people, you become, or I I know for me, I'm like, oh, okay, I have to show up. I'm spending money, so that means I have to show up. Now, you also have to realize that spending $5 or $10 or $20 a month is probably not going to motivate you to be committed to that process. So I would say pick an amount that is comfortable but uncomfortable for you at the same time. I would say for the last three to four years, I've realized I have to pay for or invest in accountability. I am most committed to do things that I desire for my career or even in my personal life when there's a start time and an end time, when I've had to put money on the table for something, typically candy is going to show up, okay? Because I don't like to leave money on the table. I'm going to want to make sure that I get my money's worth. And so for the last uh, few years, I have been committed to a more wellness-centered lifestyle where I'm meditating, I am exercising, I am achieving revenue goals, I am doing the things that I said I was going to do, <laughs> okay? And so for the last three years, I've been really intentional on being committed to that shift, but that's because I've also invested in groups and coaches and communities so that I can show up in a way that my future self will thank me for. And so... What is the investment that you can make today that your future self will thank you for? Seriously, think about that question and 
Recognize this. Stephen Pressfield once said, the ability to overcome resistance, self-sabotage, and self-doubt is way more important than talent. And I absolutely agree. Yes, I love to make up words around here. Okay, Canter Conversations is a judgment-free zone. Anywho, you know what you need to do. You know what you have a desire to do. You know what you want to feel more of or what you want to feel less of. Get out of your own way. If you made it to this part of the podcast, I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. Let me know which one of these tips resonates the most with you. Which tip will you embrace for this week? I'll talk to y'all soon.